Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you will enjoy this weekly resource. Good morning. Let us pray together. Gracious God, this is the day that you have made. We come together and rejoice in it. We also come seeking to hear a word from you. Let your spirit fall fresh upon us in this hour. In your name we pray. Amen. I love how Chuck shared from his heart last week and what he left with us, his important tips for the trip, tips that we can use in our own individual Christian trip or we can use collectively together as a church family. They were powerful and fun-filled and helpful, some of them. And they allowed us to engage in the many lessons that we have been taught throughout the years from preaching and teaching and just by being in his presence. We have a story. We have a story as a church, and Martha and Chuck are part of that story. And our story is going to continue. And so together, with God's help, we will write the pages that come in the future. Contained in the scriptures is actually a larger story, a story about God's activity throughout heaven and earth. We might all understand God's activities in a variety of ways, maybe based on our experiences, what we have learned, what we know, who we know and who we've met, who's discipled us. But we do understand God to be, or maybe called by, names that are meaningful to us. Maybe God is the creator for you, maybe the redeemer, maybe the author of your salvation. For me, God is all of these. And when I hear these words, I think of how God has worked in my life in very different ways in every one of these names. But today I want us to consider a different name for God. I want us to consider God as the page turner. Throughout our lives, God has been the page-turner of our own story. He knows when we need to live in the current page, and then He knows when it's time to turn the page. And God's timing is always perfect, whether we know it or not. But the new story, the new story is waiting. And I don't want to presume that we are not a part of the story, because we are. The love of God allows us to participate, gives us free will to make decisions, to make choices. But these choices do determine the words that are written on the pages. I remember when our son Ben was two, and we would gather our books together at night, and you know, the delayed, I'm not going to bed kind of thing. And we usually stuck to three. And amongst them was always the book, The Giving Tree. He called it the green one. And he would start reading the book. He would open the cover and flip to the first page. And he would say, once there was a tree. Flip the second page. And she loved the little boy. And he'd turn the third page. And every day the boy would come. Of course, I ran to tell Rhett that our two-year-old prodigy could read when in fact he could not. 
<laughs> Most of the time, he wanted to flip through the pages so fast. But in this particular book, he took his time and pretended to be able to read the words, which he associated clearly with the pictures. He would get to the third page when he no longer could remember the words, and he would hand the book to me and say, your turn, Mommy. So he was pretty smart at that point, right? I realized he had memorized all these words, and I realized that he was not reading The Giving Tree at two years old. But he was in control of turning the pages until he arrived at a place where he no longer could do so on his own. We can sometimes think that we know better where we should be and what we should be doing than what God does. We can begin to think that we are in control of how the pages get turned. However, I believe that God is the ultimate page turner. I believe that God's timing is perfect, and I do believe that God allows us to wait in the details until it's time, until he sees fit to turn the page and continue our story. Paul offers good instruction in our scripture lesson today about this. He talks about how we might learn how to be comfortable in the uncomfortable time of waiting. And then how we can also live fully into God's call on our lives and where it is that God would have us in these uncomfortable times of waiting. He writes to the Philippians and us, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and position, present your requests to God. And the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is how we find ways to get comfortable in the waiting moments that challenge us and can cause us to worry. We can go to the Lord in prayer. We can take everything, literally go and give it all to God. Visualize this with me for just a minute. Here's our stuff. And we've got all this stuff. Some good, some not good, some insignificant, some non-issue, and some really heavy. And we can take it all, and we can gather it up, and then we put it at the foot of the cross. And we don't just leave it there. We sit there with it. But we sit there with it with Christ. And we talk with him. And we share with him. And then we wait in the silence for him to move us, to speak to us, to tell us what to do with all of this stuff. But we don't go back and pick it up because it's already been handled. And we, in these verses Paul is teaching us, have access to God in that amazing way. So often we turn to verses like this that are very encouraging and help us kind of get through in times of need. I think when things are weighing on my heart, I know that's what I do. And I imagine you are the same. At least I know this, that I have had these particular verses in my heart for probably 35, 36 years. I called them my life verse. I learned them young and put them there. It was only four, six and seven at the time, um, which I just read. Later, and we'll talk a little bit about eight, but in the beginning, it was just, I needed that mantra, that reminder, that quick, be joyful, pray always, give God thanks. So that wherever I was in the moment, 
I could respond in a way that was Christ-like and not of my own self. Because if we leave it to my own self, I would have completely messed it up. But the greatest thing about this for me is when Paul says, your mind and your heart will be in Christ Jesus when we do these things. So there's the secret, right? There's the part that teaches us step out of who you are, of yourself. Go to God with all of this stuff. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Converse with Jesus. And that's where your mind and your heart are transformed. And transformation is the key, right? It's what we all hope for. We want transformed hearts. We don't ever want our heart to stay the way it is. We want to continue to grow, continue to learn, continue to expand what we understand to be God's kingdom on earth. I believe whether we acknowledge it or not, we tend to get to a good place after we have been through a rough patch, after we have spent that time praying, talking to one another, sharing our life, sharing our stories. I believe that when I am the most faithful in my relationship with Christ, I can more easily trust the process. We can all walk through the process, but it's trusting the process that gives you that peace that passes all understanding. Walking through it on your own might bring you peace, but this kind of peace, this kind of peace can't be shaken. And this comes from relying 100% on your relationship with God. It allows me to trust the ultimate page turner when I submit my will to God's. We all have a story. Getting to know the stories of those who are in our lives, of those whom we go to church with, in small group with, serve with, know outside of these church walls. This is a part of discipleship. This is a part of moving ourselves and one another to that place where we have transformation that doesn't end. And thinking about our own story and how we share it, that is a part of our journey. I love to hear people's stories, especially new members when you get to sit down and I haven't met you before or seen you before, or maybe not in this context. It is so good to be in that space and get to hear how God has moved you to this place in your life. I wasn't always sure about sharing my story, mostly because it really wasn't a fairy tale upbringing, and it definitely had its unpleasant realities. But because someone decided to disciple me, someone decided that I was worthy of their time and their energy, and they taught me that I could use all these things, all these yuck things, and I could take them and allow the story of how God redeemed my life and redeemed the years the locusts ate is how I refer to it. That is part of my story, and that is what I share. And so then maybe I meet somebody who has different but same experiences because of other things. It gives them the opportunity then to say, oh, well, you know what? That's a good story. Let me tell you about mine. And then you get to go into that relationship and you get to learn about how God is working in their life. For many years, my response was kind of short. My dad was killed in a car accident when I was 10. My mom died of leukemia when I was 18. I have siblings enough to play a basketball game, probably both sides, <laughs> if you don't have a point guard. I knew that one. 
It took me 10 years to go to college because I went to night school and it all was just so like laden with tragedy and grief and nothing really happy. So I didn't think I had a story. We all have a story. And the most amazing part of that story is that I didn't have to stay in that place. Because the real story is not all of that. The best part of the story is how God redeemed all of that, how God took all of that and and transformed it into something worthy. Fifteen years ago, I stood before Charge Conference. Some of y'all might have been there. And I was asked the question about my call to ministry. Why do I feel called to formal ministry? How do I know I've been called to formal ministry? And I said, I don't know, but I know this. My greatest joys have come out after my most tragic episodes, things that have happened. My husband, my children, my call, this church, my colleagues. These are all great things. And this is God's story. The activity of God in the story moving me from what was and what good things came from it. And then using it all to transform and then letting me be a part of something God's doing. So I'm a participant, along for the ride, I guess, but willing and available. I could not ask for more than what the Lord has provided in my life. And yet, I still stand in need of these lines, these words, these sentences that Paul gave to the early church. We all are. We're all in need of a quick, pray always, be joyful, give thanks to God. Sharing our story or our testimony is sharing how God is working in our lives. When I first learned to give my testimony, you actually had to learn that, I did. They said, keep it under three minutes. People may not listen past that, and the whole point is to get people to listen and share with you. Now, we all know that our life story and our, how God is working in our world probably is a lot longer than three minutes. But this is just the beginning of building that relationship. But when you do this, when you have the courage, when you take the time, when you have that moment to share your story, you get to know one another. And the more you know one another, the better the relationship is, the more God can work in it, the more God can reveal and, and use your lives to help someone else. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, we are reminded not to worry. We all know this is easier said than done. Just don't worry about it. Life gives us concerns in our humanness we want to kind of take over. We want to say to God, hey, how can I fix this problem? How can I decrease the pain? How can I ease the tension? Because you know, Lord, time's ticking. We need to get moving. But I think the ultimate question is none of these. No, the ultimate question is, Lord, do you want me in this moment? Should I make myself available for you in this moment, or should I step aside? That's the real question. I believe the point Paul is trying to teach us is when we go to God in prayer and we ask these questions, God will direct us. Through the Holy Spirit, we will know whether to stay or go, whether to pray or participate, 
whether to jump in and be an active part or whether to sit back and let God be God. Not because it is what we want, but because it's what God wants. God desires our faithfulness. I believe that the most faithful are the most blessed. Faithfulness does not get us what we want. Faithfulness brings to our lives God's best for us. The peace Paul writes about comes from being faithful and experiencing God's peace, not that of the world. If we try not to rush through the pages, we can have that same peace. We can experience that which Paul writes about. But this can be hard. I don't know about you, but I am a much better doer than a beer. I want to be a part. I want to be active. I want to put my shoes on, roll my sleeves up, and get in there. I want to help build the kingdom. But sometimes that's not what we're called to do. Sometimes I think God is saying, stop trying to figure it all out, Betsy. Stop trying to anticipate the future. Stop trying to predict the outcome. Stop trying to predict the responses and the feelings of others. Just stop. And so he gets our attention. I do think I exhaust God most days. It's like he's saying, you are going to be exhausted. But let me tell you something, you're wearing me out too. And I don't think that I'm the only person in this room who, if we're being honest, feels that way. What we can do is live in that peace. Take the stuff, lay it at the cross, find that place, live in that peace, and rest in that and know that God is with us. And just like that, when we begin to question the how of all of this, Paul gives us verse 8. Verse 8 came later in my life because I really wanted to know, okay, great, how do I do this? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's the how-to. Fully embracing where the Lord has you means you think on these things. You don't wish you were somewhere else. You don't wish you were someone else. You don't wish it were not happening. To fully embrace living on these pages means you live with God in these moments and you let God continue to create the person you were created to be. We make room for our hearts to become more like God's, and we become more Christ followers. We love like Christ. We serve. We offer grace, and we love unconditionally. When we trust God and we remain faithful, the anxiety decreases and our availability opens up. I don't know about you, but these last couple months have been hard. I could say last couple years. We heard about it. We can do hard things, and I know we can, and we will. But we learned during these months, and we learned during the pandemic, and if we didn't, come talk to me and give me your secret. But this has been hard. But hard doesn't have to equate to a lack of joy. Hard is just hard, right? We can struggle with change and be excited about what's to come and live in these moments at the same time. 
Because Christ stands in that gap and holds these two things in tandem with us and for us when we can't do it ourselves. Today is a good day. Recently, we have shed a lot of tears, and it's all in love and friendship. But it doesn't have to be sad. We can celebrate. Since Chuck's return from being sick, I prayed that he would get the chance to live abundantly, do whatever he wanted to do all day long, and restore his health. And when Lonnie passed, I prayed that the Lord would fulfill all of Martha's dreams that she has. And look. Look what the Lord is doing. The page-turner of our lives has answered these prayers after so many years. It was an instant. There are times when I wish He would have answered them in a different way so we could still work together and serve together and do ministry together. But that's when I'm being selfish in my quiet moments. When I'm trusting Jesus, I'm excited and I'm celebrating with both of them. Lastly, when I was in my 20s, I met a woman named Wendy Dubin. She changed my life. She is still a therapist. She was a therapist that I went to see after my mom passed away. And she taught me the hard work how to attempt, because we all know it sometimes takes generations, but how to attempt to break the cycles of dysfunctional family patterns. How to find my core values and what do I believe? We did the hard work to get to these places so that I didn't have to live feeling with the feelings of abandonment and worthiness and all the other stuff that comes from the byproduct of some of our stories. She practiced Judaism, and she encouraged me at the end of our time together to reconnect with my own faith practice. And I'm so glad I did. In doing so, I found a renewed relationship with Jesus Christ, and it has been beyond profound. At the end of our journey together, I found a poem, and I sent it to her because it meant so much to me about the work that she and I had done together. It's called Comes the Dawn. I'm going to read it. After a while, you learn the subtle difference between holding a hand and chaining a soul. And you learn that love doesn't mean leaning, and company doesn't mean security. And you begin to learn that kisses aren't contracts and presents aren't promises. As you begin to accept your defeats with your head up and your eyes open, with the grace of a woman, not the grief of a child. And you learn to build all your roads on today, because tomorrow's ground is too uncertain for plans, and futures have a way of falling down in mid-flight. After a while, you learn that even sunshine burns if you get too much. So you plant your garden and decorate your soul instead of waiting for someone to bring you flowers. And you learn that you really can endure, that you really are strong, and you really do have worth. And you learn and learn with every goodbye you learn. At this stage of my life, 37 years later, I understand this as God's activity, that it's the Lord that works in our life, that mends, that heals, that transforms, that offers unconditional love and grace so that we can become healed by His love. We are strong.
we can do hard things. We can lean into the goodness of God in the coming days and weeks and months, and we can gain strength, and we can gain courage, and we can offer hospitality, and we can love well. How do we honor our time together? We live out our faith and we earnestly seek to love one another. We know it, let's embed it in our DNA and let it be who we are. We can keep our head when all about theirs are losing theirs. Mostly we can seek to find joy in all things. We can all pray without ceasing. We can all give praise and glory to God for how he's working in our lives and in our church family. And we can think about these things, things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. And think about those things in one another. And I bet the loving one another part becomes so much easier. If we can do this, and I know we can, then we can be light in this world. And the story that continues about Athens First United Methodist Church will be one worth reading. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC.org.